Ayers on the Road, Parenting in a Modern World. Here's Richard and Linda Iyer. Here's Linda Iyer. <laughs> and we are here together. We're in St. George, Utah today. Wow, we've been on the road a lot this week. Boy, it's beautiful in southern Utah in late October, early November. Where would you rather be than in the desert? We're looking out at a desolate desert, but desolate can be beautiful. Well, there's one problem, though, in late October down in St. George, and that is it's your birthday, and there are no autumn leaves to jump in. There's not oh a yellow gosh, leaf here right. anywhere. That's our tradition for Richard's birthday is to jump in leaves, and wow, everything's still green here. Do you think I've ever told that story on our radio show? I don't think I have. Maybe you better follow. Maybe in. I can do it in 30 seconds. We, we always had traditions, as so many of you do, on each person's birthday. And mine in late October, the kids got to choose what it was. And of course, it was to jump in leaves. What else? You know, and we'd rake them up and they're little kids and we'd stuff them down each other's back and we'd jump in them and bury each other and all that. And I thought, ah, this will die out. This is childish. But as you know, many of you parents listening, kids will not let a tradition die. They will just hold on to it with their little talons teeth. <laughs> and so it just got bigger. And by the time they were in high school, it was like, oh, we got to go to the park. Dad, there's bigger leaves, bigger trees. We need to jump out of the trees into the leaves. We need to invite our friends. Mom, you need to make hot chocolate. And it just grew and grew. But here's the point of the story. There came a year when uh, the first two were gone. They, they'd left home, one to college, one on an LDS mission. And I was missing them on my birthday, and I went to the mailbox, and bingo, there were two birthday cards. I thought, oh, they remembered, they remembered. I took them inside and opened the first one from our daughter, who was in Bulgaria. And it was not a card. It was a leaf. And it had a Post-it note on the leaf. And I'll never forget what it said. I, I, can, I can see it in my mind right now to this day. It said, dear dad, this is a Bulgarian leaf. The orphans helped me honor your birthday. She was working in a Bulgarian orphanage. And then the last line really taught me for the first time the power of traditions. The last line said, Dad, just because I'm far away, don't forget, I'm still part of our family. And I love that. It made me feel so deeply. And by the way, I opened the second envelope, and it was a leaf, too. But this is a son, not a daughter. This is a boy, not a girl. No post-it note, just a leaf. And I could see Josh sitting in his dorm thinking, oh, just send dad a leaf. He'll know exactly what it means. <laughs> and indeed I did. So so it's right. So here we are in St. George today, and we can't even honor our own tradition because there's though, no autumn leaves. But this has gone down through the generations now, and we got three or four videos yesterday of kids jumping in the leaves, grandchildren. We have a new baby in London, and they were down by the London Temple, if any of you have seen that, and and throwing leaves all over this little baby's head. And um, It's really a fun thing to have these traditions that really last forever. I mean, it isn't just while your kids are home. It goes on and on. Poor little grandkids don't have a clue. They're like, wait, what are we doing? This is grandfather's tradition? <laughs> is he crazy or what? No, they're they say, excited yeah, about it. Yeah, they know you're crazy, so it's fun. Well, but, we what, go ahead. You can introduce. Linda. Well, I today we really wanted to talk about 
the power of grandparenting because we're down here in St. George. We were just speaking yesterday at the Roots Expo at the Dixie Center, and wow, they had a fantastic audience of we're going back wonderful over there today people too. who are doing family history and genealogy. It's a quite a conference, Family Roots Expo, and we had the honor to keynote it, and we you might say, well, oh, are you guys genealogical experts and ancestry experts? And the answer is no, <laughs> we're not. But what we do do, and I think this is why they invited us, is we we think a lot and write a lot about how to take those ancestor stories, not the, not the dates and the, the, the names and the technicalities of genealogy. Or research or, you know, yeah. even microfilm. We don't know much about that. We don't that. know much about that. But taking those stories and translating them into children's language and using those stories, oscillating stories, because they tell about, they should tell about the, the good, good times and, and the then the times. really hard times and then returning to the good times in, in the long run. It really is pretty important for kids to learn that. There's a lot of research now done by a guy, well, a lot of people, but a guy we really like named Bruce Feiler. And Emory University. And uh, he's researched this and found that kids have more resilience, they have more self-confidence, they're able to come back from stress and challenges when they know the stories of their not only their ancestors, but their grandparents and their parents, if they've survived hard times, those kids start thinking, I have that same blood in me. The, you know, if they did that, I can do this. It really is pretty amazing. It's kind of counterintuitive, but, but you know, if you're looking for the single thing that most closely correlates with a child's resilience in, in a tough time or, or getting through a new situation or whatever, the single most related element is the kids who know about their grandparents and the great grandparents. You know, it's, it's amazing. I, I mean, was just it's, reading it's powerful. It's practical. I was just reading his letter or his article in the New York times yesterday It's called stories that bind us. And if you just put that in Google, it comes right up stories that bind us. And it's pretty amazing because, uh, I think his wife had a group of students and, uh, during 9-11, I mean, she loved these students and so on, but they all experienced 9-11 together. They were in New York City. And they, she, he said it was incredible the number of children that did well because they knew of the stories of their families. It gave them so much confidence and made them feel like they were bigger than, than uh, you know, just themselves. And it really was a huge influence on their ability to accept that kind of stress. So anyway, we had a great time yesterday. We're going to go back over to the conference today for a little while, but uh, it got us thinking. We, one of the things we did, we had a, a big audience there, probably five or 600 people. And we asked how many were grandparents and I swear all but maybe 10 hands went up. <laughs> so it was a wonderful group and, and it got us thinking. We want to talk a little about proactive grandparenting today on the show. Let me suggest to you that there are sort of four levels of grandparenting that we, we run into. We meet with a lot of grandparents lately. In fact, we're, we're changing our brand a little bit, aren't we, Linda? We're, we're not doing quite as much speaking to, on parenting and on life balance and the things we've 30 years. We'll still do it when we get invited, but we're trying to shift more 
to grandparents because, you know, grand, it's, grandparenting is, a, is like a new frontier because grandparents in this generation and the generation we're part of, baby boomers, really have an extended life. I mean, they have an extended role as grandparents because we're going to live another 20 years longer than grandparents just a couple of generations ago. So, you know, if you're 65 or if you're 60 and you're looking forward to another 20 or 25 good years, what are you going to do with that time? Hopefully part of your answer is I want to be a proactive grandparent. So we're working on a book on grandparenting and we're just going to read you. Let's alternate on these, Linda. There's sort of four levels on which you can be a grandparent. The first one, and these, these are an ascending list. So the first one is a disengaged grandparent or, or to put it in the, in the vernacular, disengaged. What is disengaged grandparenting? Well, that's the attitude of, Hey, I raised my kids. Now it's their turn to raise their kids. I'm done. This attitude might lead you to downsize into an adults-only condo in Sun City by a golf course where your days would be quiet but boring. Well, actually, <laughs> we were in Colorado last year with a really bright group of young parents, and the person who organized it, the couple who organized it, asked to sit by us at dinner, and they said, you know, you've got to tell us how to engage our, grandpa our parents because they're not involved with our they kids. They have gone off to a golf a golf resort. Exactly. The same thing. And we really don't know what to do because we have teenagers who are struggling. We feel like they could really be a great influence for them. So so the first level, which none of you want, is disengaged grandparenting. And level two is limited grandparenting. So this is the attitude where you love to see them, but in limited doses. And on your terms, and then you send them home. <laughs> um, so in this model, grandkids are, are like amusement parks. You can go there once in a while to have fun or like get dinner guests. And you can have them over. And then when it's convenient, you, not convenient, you send them home. <laughs> yeah. So hopefully not too many of you want to, level one, disengaged grandparenting, or level two, limited grandparenting. Well, there, I have to say there's some of limited grandparenting in all grandparenting because you can get really tired of yeah, <laughs> that's true. being overwhelmed well, that's kind, with that's grandkids. That's and it true. is good when, when they have stayed with you for a few days to send them home. But here's level three, supportive grandparenting. We're moving up the scale here. And now the attitude is, hey, my kids need all the help they can get with their kids, and I want to be there for them. So with this approach, you become part helper, part martyr, maybe sacrificing your own life to be at the beck and call of your adult children whenever they need you to help with the kids. Now, that's a good grandparent, parent, but we think there's even a higher level. So the fourth level is proactive grandparenting. And we sometimes call this deliberate grandparenting because you really spend some time and thought doing this. And the attitude is my children are the stewards of their children. But I can teach the grandkids things their parents can't and be an essential part of their organized three-generation family. So really, this fourth level is a grandparent becomes effective and consequential and truly fun. You can think hard about needs. You can uniquely fill and you set goals and plans to make a difference in your grandchildren's lives. And then you do so in concert and in teamwork 
with the goals and stewardship of their parents. You never want to overstep your bounds. You need to be sure that you're all on the same page with the parents. This approach will stretch and test you, but it will also reward you with a kind of joy and love and peace, otherwise unobtainable. So we, we are advocates, as you might guess, of proactive grandparenting. And well, you know, every family's different, though, and we have to remember that. I mean, there maybe there are some in-laws who don't care for your help, no matter how much you well, try yeah. to Well, yeah, well, we'll get into and, that. You know, maybe there are situations where you have to do some of each of those. we got to take a little break here, and, and uh, then when we come back, you know, quickly call any grandparents, you know, have them tune in because we're going to reveal the secrets of proactive grandparents. And actually, we're also going to be over at the Dixie Center. If anybody happens to be listening to this, we're going to be over there at 1230 signing some Oh, books. anyone who's in St. We'd George? We'd love to say hi. Yeah, anyone who's in the St. George area. We're going to be there from 1230 until 2 o'clock today. Let's take a brief break. We'll be right back to talk more about a kind of grandparenting we all should be aspiring to. Ayers on the Road, Parenting in a Modern World. Here's Richard and Linda Iyer. And we're back. We're back already. We're back down here in St. George, Utah, enjoying the beautiful sunshine. Wherever you are, I hope it's not raining or snowing or blizzarding, but we are enjoying the end of October and moving into November. And, you know, back to the little personal note we mentioned early in the show, we're, we're sort of changing our brand. We're sort of aiming more at grandparents. We think grandparents are the ones that are going to save the world because, you know, raising kids today is a, is a team effort. I mean, I don't know if it takes a village, but it certainly takes a family, and a big family, an extended family, not just parents. And it's interesting, Linda, that... Uh, I was going to look this up before the show, and I'll do it after the show for my own curiosity. But the the word family is used hundreds of times. I was going to get the exact number, but the word occurs hundreds of times in the scriptures, and never, not one time, does it refer to a nuclear family, just parents and kids. It when, well, when it, it says, refers to parents. Well, you no, know, but, but when it says family, family, when the word yeah. family is used, it means an extended family. It means a family. It means a clan. It means a, a you know a, a three generation or more family. And I think the more we think of family that way, the more um, illustrative it is of the role grandparents should play you know we have traveled all over the world and it's pretty interesting what family means in indonesia in saudi arabia in abu dhabi i mean these are three in generational Africa, families and, and, yeah. who live together i mean and in fact when we were in saudi we went to a beautiful home where the grandmother is still the queen she runs the show oh yeah the grandparents are and, in charge uh, the poor the older um, you are the more the more influence you have in most families right. in the world. That poor little daughter, daughter-in-law, is yeah. just <laughs> under the thumb of the mother. So I maybe some of you grandmothers would love that, but <laughs> it's not the way it works in our culture. But it is really valuable in a lot of ways because so much can be learned from three generations before, being together. Before we get into some of the how-tos we want to suggest to you today, um, 
Let us just tell you how, how serious we are about this. We're, instead of traveling all over the world speaking to parents, we're going to sort of stay closer to home now. And we're going to do a seminar every single month. I was going to say for grandparents, it's really, it's really, it's, it's called the Life in Full Retreat. And it's basically for baby boomers who are essentially saying to themselves, hey, you know, uh, I'm, I'm 60 or whatever age I am. I've got another 20, 25 years. How am I going to strategize it? How am I going to use that time? How am I going to use the wisdom I've gained up until now and parlay it into something really beautiful, this autumn of life, we like to call it. And we're going to do that at the Zermatt Resort in uh, Heber. It's a beautiful place if you've never been there. And I think we've got the producer on BYU Radio putting that uh, web address up on uh, BYU Radio's website. But it's Life in Full on Q, all strung together, Life in Full on Q, the letter Q. And we're doing it in one other place, and we're kind of excited about this. We've spoken on a lot of cruise ships over the years. But we've never had the, I don't think, Linda, have we ever had the opportunity to actually design a curriculum uh, on our own for an extensive cross-Atlantic cruise. We're going to start doing them from London to New York. And well, that's we, six days. That takes yeah. six days on the ocean. Well, we start in London, see some shows, do some fun sightseeing and so on. Then we get on the Queen Mary, Queen Mary, Queen the Mary second. 2, which just got an award for the nicest uh, refurbished, refurbished. Oh, yeah. Anyway, but we do have five days, right? Six, I think six. Six days coming back across on the Atlantic where our ancestors came in months and months and getting the measles and dying and being thrown overboard and, I mean, after they died. But it really really (laughs) is going to be an amazing You got the measles, let's throw you overboard. (laughs) (laughs) It's not funny because it was such a sad thing. No, it's not funny. But it really is going to be so exciting to be on that same trip. I think we take off from Southampton, and a lot of our ancestors came from Southampton. But anyway, it's going to be so fun because we'll we'll have five days, not all day, but give a lecture and then let people think about it. Yeah, every morning, every morning we'll have a discussion with those who join this cruise uh, uh, of essentially life in full. Like one morning will focus on wealth and preserving and having enough money to get through all those years. One will focus on health. One day will focus on, on goal setting and on, you know, what are the options for contribution in this autumn of life. And a lot of the time we'll focus on grandparenting and, and bringing family members together and so on. We're going to learn a ton. I mean, we're not just, the teachers, we're, we're the discussion leaders, and it's going to be a, a great gathering place. That should also be on the BYU website, but it's an easy one to remember. Now, that but, one's in May, actually. And well, the first one. The, the first one's the in May. first but, cruise, and then the first Zermatt one is in January. Yeah, lot, but remember this, life in full cruise, all strung together. Check it out, because we'd love to have you. One of the things we're going to be talking about and you're going to get a real preview on, on radio shows between now and then, is the idea that if, if you're going to be a proactive grandparent, don't just make up your own plan and start implementing it with your grandkids without talking it over with the parents. I mean, one of the things we see a lot of, you know, there, there's, 
there's two extremes here. There's the one you mentioned, Linda, where parents are saying, gee, I wish my parents had a little more interest in my kids. They just don't pay any attention to them. They just don't want to even do anything with them. And then there's the other extreme where we run into some grandparents who are so, uh, and you know, this is almost comical. You can imagine they're, they're basically saying, well, my kids don't know how to raise kids. I got to tell them how to be good parents because they're raising them wrong. And I've got to step in and intervene and take care of these grandparents because their parents aren't taking care of them. That's a disaster. That's a recipe for disaster. Um, it is. And also, I can't tell you how often when we're speaking to young parents about setting up an uh, economy in their home and, and teaching children how to deal with money, how often they say that their grandparents, they get it all set up, and then the grandparents come in and just wreck it by just giving them anything they want, anytime they lose an iPhone or drop it in the toilet. And it's like, oh, I'll buy you another one. I mean, there's two, there are extremes, and and you do have to check. I, I would never buy a Christmas present for any of our grandkids without checking with the parents first about what they're getting and what they need. And that's and, hard. That's hard. A lot of grandparents, we say, hey, you ought to be a little careful there. And they're like, hey, wait a second. They're my grandkids. I have a right I'll to spoil them. them. I'll buy them anything they want. I'll yeah. buy them anything I want to buy them. Don't try to restrict my privilege and actually, as a grandparent. Honey, you've done that. You went to FAO Schwartz in, in New York City and bought this huge fox for a little girl that lives in 250 square feet apartment. <laughs> Oh, so, that stuffed animal? Yeah, yeah, but she still has it. She loves yeah, it. Yeah, she does still have it, but I'm just saying that we're not perfect either. No, but the, but this step number one would be, this would be a great thing. If you're a grandparent and you've got some grandkids that you're really interested in, you'd like to be more involved, you'd like to help them more, here's a good first step. Invite the parents, your kids, the parents of those grandkids, just the parents and you, to a nice dinner somewhere and go out and say, hey, you know, we're the grandparents, and we want to be as involved as you want us to be, parents. But we don't want to step on anything you're doing or run counter to it. Let's talk about the kids. Let us join your team. Let us join your parenting team as consultants or as resources or as fallbacks where, you know, if you're having a hard time teaching them something or you're having something that you don't have time to do that you think they'd they benefit from. Let us know about it. Let's be a team. Let's figure out. Let's meet together once every couple of months and say, how are the kids doing? How can we help? Is there anything we can do? Uh, you could even have a modified five-passer review. How, how's this child doing physically? How's he doing mentally, emotionally, socially, spiritually? And what can we do as a team of parents and grandparents to help that kid maximize what he can be. That's a, that's a great way to start out if you want to be a more proactive grandparent. Yeah, it is. And, you know, as a grandparent, I think it's so important to let them know a little bit about your life. Let your grandchildren know who you really are, not just somebody that likes to bake cookies. Or And obviously, a lot of you are fabulous at that. And that is what you want the kids to remember, one of the main things. But also, there are other things that they don't know. Tell them about the hard times you've had in your life. And about your parents' hard times. Remember this, when you're talking to a grandchild, your parent, your father, for example, is that child's great-grandparent, and that child probably doesn't know anything about him. And we told these people at the keynote we gave yesterday, these genealogists, 
you know, think of yourself not only as a, an active family researcher and genealogist, think of yourself as the trunk of a tree where your grandchildren and children are the limbs and branches and your roots are going down from there and the trunk is what connects them. Think of yourself as the one who is best positioned to create in children's languages stories of your parents, your grandparents, which will be the kids' great and great-great-grandparents, and, and tell them those stories and make sure they understand. We're talking about a person now who's your great-grandfather, and guess what? You are one-sixteenth from this person, one-sixteenth of your genetics and your aptitudes and your gifts and your skills and what you like and what you don't like and on and on and on comes from this person we're telling you about tonight. And if you can get a picture of them, which is easy to do these days in the internet, this is who we're talking about. Do you think you have the same nose as this person? Do you think that you got any other characteristics from this person? <laughs> really be the trunk and connect those roots to those branches. Oh gosh, you're saying that reminds me of, we have a daughter, we always had an ancestor well in our front hall. When you walk in the front door, there were all of our ancestors, the best pictures we could find and just fun old pictures. So they're all oldest, frowning, by the way, those on those. No, they pictures. are not. They but never they, smile. They told them. Yes, they do. Smile well, on pictures. generations and generations <laughs> back. But anyway, um, so our oldest daughter put her wall up and, and, um, we, I have, my mother had four sisters, so there are five sisters, and there's one of them all standing together, smiling, and they all have these huge buck teeth. And uh, <laughs> they, There was no orthodontia in those days. None. And so her two oldest boys were standing there, and her oldest one, the second one, said, looked at that picture, and he said, what's wrong with their teeth? <laughs> and the oldest brother looked at him and said, Isaac. Go look in the mirror. <laughs> <laughs> he did have teeth just exactly like they had. And uh, all, unfortunately, we, we build our orthodontist home, and I'm sure that they're doing the same with this orthodontia. But it is fun to see what comes down through. Yeah, it really is. And, it's, it's, uh, and that's another real strong suggestion we'd make is be the trunk that really ties those kids together. Another thing I want to mention, Linda, is, you know, you don't do grandparenting in a group. I mean, that might be good. We know one grandpa that just took all of his grandkids on a Disney cruise. I'm sure they loved it. That was pretty nice. And that Very. Was sort of a macro big thing. He considering did as, that as there were 50 of them that yeah. went for their 50th <laughs> anniversary, uh, including but, but, but I, I'm making a different point, Linda. Okay. Real, real grandparenting is one-on-one, -on -one, and the goal should be whether you have one grandchild or whether you have 20, the goal should be, do you have an individual relationship with each of those little kids? And I'm afraid you're going to have to use social media to get one. You're going to have to, if that little kid is eight and does Instagram, that's where you want to be. If, if that little kid is on Facebook, that's where you want to be. And, and, but, but you don't only have to do that. You know, one of the things I'm working on right now is writing each of my grandkids one at a time on their unbirthday, not on their birthday, but on the six month from their birthday when nobody's paying any attention to them. I'm writing them each a letter with a fountain pen on paper. 
And I'm pretty sure that some of them have never received an actual letter like that before in their entire lives. Well, that's a great idea. And there are hundreds of them. And last night, so many people came up to me afterwards and gave me great ideas. So use those great ideas. Go forward. Be great grandparents and not great grandparents, but be wonderful grandparents to your grandchildren. It makes such a huge difference. And if you really want to go into it, get online on BYU Radio and go to Life in Full Cruise or Life in Full on Q and maybe come and meet us and we'll really brainstorm grandparenting. So until next week. See you next time on Tigers on the Road. Bye-bye. <laughs>